Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. The show is being recorded live and will be available as a podcast soon after its end. We invite anyone listening as a podcast to join us live and share your thoughts on the issues that we discuss. We also invite any type of feedback sent to our email address at ejsshow at protonmail.com. And once again, I'll remember to remind everybody when you talk, please say who you are. I'm Steve. I'm in New York City. <laughs> What's up, hey, guys? everybody. This is Ed Maslish. I'm in North Carolina. Mike in the People's Republic of New Jersey. <laughs> I am Jody in Illinois. Yeah, as opposed to Jody in Michigan, not that I'm a Well, you know, it could change from week to week. That is true. So it's another great week of ridiculous amounts of news since I started in, since I live in New York City. I have to bring up the vaccine passports, which seem to actually now be in effect in New York City. And I have this vague memory of promises that we're never going to have vaccine passports, but I may have made that up. Uh, when I first saw the rules yesterday, I was, I guess to put it mildly livid. I know that one of us here did not find this as confusing as I did, but I'll tell you why it was confusing to, for me. Here's where you need a vaccine passport, movie theaters, live music and concert venues, museums and galleries, aquariums and zoos, sports stadiums and arenas, actually professional sports stadiums and arenas. So I guess that doesn't mean little league. Convention centers, exhibition halls, performing arts theaters, bowling alleys, recreational game centers, arcades and pool halls, casinos and adult entertainment, restaurants and bars. Hold on to that one catering halls and event spaces, hotel banquet rooms, cabarets and nightclubs, um, cafeterias, grocery stores with indoor dining. That's a really interesting one. Mm. Bakeries and coffee shops, fast food, and quick service eateries with indoor dining. Gyms and fitness centers and fitness class venues, pools, dance studios and sports classes. So keeping those in mind, you don't need a mask where dining, where food is consumed elsewhere, like fast food eateries. I'm still confused on that one, if somebody can help me out. Fast food and quick service eateries with indoor dining, you need a mask. Dining where food is consumed elsewhere, like fast food eateries, you don't. Can anybody help me out? Yeah, it just means that if you go to a fast food restaurant to take out, then you don't have to put a mask on. But if you're going to sit down and eat there, you're going to have to put a mask on. It may mean that, but yeah. it's clearly not what it says. Well, apparently it, the virus doesn't spread when you pull up to the drive through window and pe pass your money or your credit card to the uh, clerk. It says eateries with indoor dining need a mask. It doesn't say only if you sit down to eat. And then it says, but a place where it, is consumed elsewhere, like a fast food eatery, you don't need a mask. So I don't know exactly where McDonald's fits in there on that one. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I think the real answer, Steve, is you're, you're looking at this like the rule of law exists. What really exists is de Blasio's edict and his will, and it's just going to be whatever arbitrary enforcement mechanism he wants to implement. Right. And you actually stole my, part of my thunder, which mm -hmm. I would have forgotten. So I'm happy you mentioned it. That was my next statement of where in the living heck 
did he get the authority for this? Nowhere. Yeah. He yeah. just took it. And he's that's, that's how tyrants roll. Right. A thousand dollar and two thousand dollar fines for non-compliance. I was surprised that at the gym this morning, since it went into effect yesterday, they did not ask for any vaccination papers. I think they haven't had time to learn it in German. I'm not sure. And the other interesting thing that we can talk about on a slightly more serious angle is that several of the pundits have pointed out the vaccine passport only works if you have to show photo ID, obviously. Otherwise, I can use Jody's. Therefore, all of a sudden, photo ID is available and easy and demandable. My guess is that they won't do that, right? All they'll do is ask to see a picture of your vaccine card. You hold up your phone, there's a vaccine card. They say, fine, they let you in. I don't think the businesses are gonna demand um, photo ID because I think, I mean, the government may force them to do this, but I don't think so because uh, the people who are unvaccinated most are blacks and Hispanics blacks at half the rate of whites and Asians. And so if you start turning away all sorts of black people from your restaurant or your, um, or your uh, grocery store or your gym or whatnot, you're gonna get your ass kicked in the courts uh, really, really hard. And I, I think that- What do you call it? Disparate, um, what's the word? Impact. Disparate impact. Disparate right? impact. I mean, this policy has disparate impact, period. And people are yelling about that, but which intersectionality is going to win out over here? Well, the COVID totalitarians, of course, want the, the COVID thing, but because it undermines every other argument, like their voter, uh, you know, don't have to show ID for voting, but you have to show ID to get into a grocery store. I, I think they want to keep the, their voting um, tyranny, you know, the vote cheating um I think they're pretty unconcerned with i think yeah. they're pretty unconcerned with consistency though. yeah <laughs> that's true that's true because the republicans don't call them on it because they're just as bad yeah. i mean by the way according to this particular website um post-millennial or something it's called they're quoting de blasio is saying you have to show id so i don't you know if they're okay. not but that's what they're saying so <clears throat> if we could talk a little bit about the science on this whole thing now um, right. I, I assume we'll be banned from whatever platforms. Um, you know, the data in from Israel pretty much shows that the vaccines uh, don't work after, uh, you know, eight months or so. Because the number of people vaccinated in, in Israel is about 65%. And the number of hospitalizations among the uh, co current COVID cases are, are about 64% vaccinated. Now, I haven't seen the breakout to like different ethnicities and whatnot to, to submit, you know, maybe it's all the Arabs who aren't vaccinated, you know, like whites and blacks in this. I, I don't know. So, I mean, there might be a little bit of a difference there, but um, it also shows that people who have had COVID before aren't getting reinfected. So those are the two things it shows that the vaccine, um, I haven't seen the broke breakout, but from the top line numbers, it seems the vaccine uh, dies in effectiveness in about eight months. And that if you've had COVID, 
that doesn't die in effectiveness, your immunity um, in eight months. So those are the two things out there. Now they wanna give us this booster shot. And the booster shot is an, yet again, a, um, a booster shot for the original Wuhan strain. And it's, you know, very limited effectiveness on the Delta variant. Um, there is this, uh, you know, the spike protein, which is a kind of has a face that looks like a triangle. And uh, in the middle of that triangle, there's a part called the receptor binding domain. And that's the thing that attaches to the uh, ACE2 receptor and allows the virus to go into the cell. It opens kind of like a flower when it gets into just uh, an arrangement. And there's been some, there's been some uh, mutations that allow it to open better. So it connects better, so it spreads better. And the problem is if you're, if you're designing your vaccine for the old Wuhan um, receptor binding domain, it's gonna be less effective at binding up the antibodies that that vaccine creates are gonna be less effective at binding up Delta. Now, if they came out with a you know, booster shot that does Delta, I mean, that, that's something to consider if you're old or if you're you know, infirm or, or something, but they don't because they can't because the regulatory, I mean, I'm sure they have it. Like they had it like in a week of Delta showing up, but they're not gonna be able to give it out because of regulatory and industrial problems. And so if by next year they have one for Delta, we'll be on to Lander or Kappa or Mu or Nu or Omicron or Pi or the Andromeda strain. Um, and so, and, and the other thing is the more you vaccinate, the more uh, evolutionary pressure you put on the virus to, to mutate around it, just like you, a, a partially effective vaccine helps the virus mutate, just like partially effective antibiotics help bacteria become antibiotic resistant. The, the basic thing is, I think we've lost. I, you know, I think, I think we lost. I think COVID, the, the war on COVID, uh, I think was fought just as well as the war in Afghanistan. I, I think it was run by the same mentality. I think it uh, lies all up and down the chain of command, just like Afghanistan. Um, and we lost. So we're all going to get it at some point. We're all going to get uh, COVID. Well, we're all going to get COVID. Yeah, absolutely. We're all going to get it. And hopefully it will um, mutate into a more benign virus. That's what tends to happen with these things. It, it gets more benign over time. And so the whole vaccine thing should be just thrown away because it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Well, we I agree with everything you're treatments. saying there. Sorry, Ed. So I, I, we should work on treatments. You know, I mean, we exactly. should work on treatments. And, and I agree with everything you said. And I would just add that if we're going to have to take a booster shot every eight months or six months or however long the, the limited immunity lasts, we're better off with safer prophylaxis like ivermectin and vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc and quercetin, uh, which require you to take it pretty much on a, a, at least a weekly basis, but they don't have the side effects that the vaccines have. So if the vaccines aren't giving you an extended duration of, of protection, why would anybody take a dangerous, you know, something that's been shown to have side effects that, that harm a lot of people? Yeah, I mean, if the, if the, 
if the side effect profile is like the flu shot, then, um, then yeah, sure. Give me a booster. Who cares? But this vaccine is more dangerous than every vaccine ever invented in the whole history of man put together. So that seems. Hey, wait, why do you say that? Yeah. Why do you say that? Where, where are you the getting that? Congress reported from, to from VAERS, from the vaccine adverse event reporting system. So it's, I, I don't want to say, uh, you know, is the vaccine quote unquote safe? Well, safe compared to what? It's not safe compared to other vaccines. It, the, the, um, I, I just got a paper uh, downloaded yesterday and I took a little look at it of the, um, of the side effect profile when given to 12 to 17 year olds. And it's horrifying. I mean, it's absolutely horrifying. The quote unquote, um, not serious um, uh, side effect side effects and not including sore arm all i am shots give you a sore arm but not including that um you like fainting and dizziness um 10 and 20 percent of the kids my wife's still suffering from fainting and dizziness herself uh headaches 30 percent. i mean this these are the non-serious ones and who knows how long the headaches go on mine went on for three months and the myocarditis the myocarditis the numbers uh, of that the numbers of that were way too high really high yeah. way too high so um yeah it, it, again it's i, I don't want to say it if, if it was the flu shot yeah we get in a booster but i mean we're we're screwed yes, i'm gonna have to disagree with you all isn't lost if trump is reinstated the democrats will go back to their position of they refuse to take the vaccine yeah but that's three years from now of course <laughs> it's still august so it's still august the fact that they were all against this exact same va vaccine that they're forcing down, you know, into our arms. Now, I put up a story in show notes about Australia, which is just seemingly totally losing it, basically yes. seeming to herd children into stadia, removed from their parents and forced to have vaccinations, if I understand the story correctly. Um, I know we're geographically far from Australia. I don't know how governmentally far we are from Australia. Again, most of us would swear what's happening now couldn't happen. So can we swear it won't happen what's happening in Australia? I also am wondering aloud, Israel has given the third vaccine to well over a million people already. That was as of two days ago already. We're going to get that vaccine September 20th. I'm not quite sure I understand that either. Well, I, mean, I don't know what to say. It's, it's, it's going to work a little bit, you know, but it's... It's still the Wuhan. It's still the Wuhan strain, and it Delta is different, and Delta is worse in infectivity. I, I don't know what to say. No, so I've heard other people mention your point that it is much more dangerous if you get COVID after the shot than not after the shot. And for some reason, like everything else out there, it's being squashed, even though that's a big deal. You are much safer to have gotten covid and then get it again then have the shot and get it yeah from what i can tell if you you know it's if you get the shot you better closet yourself for 14 days because you do not want to get covid in the 14 days between getting the shot and having the immunity full, fully built up because that you do end up worse from the data i've seen 
Now, whether I can dig it out here in real time, I don't know. But I mean, but I, I know seen I've it. seen that and I've seen it even beyond the 14 days because of what you said about, you know, vaccinations making the virus worse. But I've seen it beyond 14 days as well. And again, if they didn't squash that thought, that's a really scary thought that should be taken into account. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. We've talked about this before, too. Where, where's the testing for um, the variant on the Delta? I mean, they keep telling us it's out there. I don't I, obviously I believe it's out there. I think what happens, I, mean, I, 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 I think what happens is when you um, when you get a test, because I just got one the other day because I felt like I had a cold. Um, you know, they they stick the thing up your nose, they put it in, they send it into some place, um, and there are multiple some places in the country, and they run the test, and these are you know, I mean, they're getting thousands, thousands, thousands of tests per day that they're running. And then I think what they do is they subsample the positive ones and do a full um, uh, sequencing on the genome to, to find out which one it is. Because again, the tests are for the Wuhan strain. Now, the, the weird thing is Delta only has like eight important mutations. So eight, not eight um, base pair changes, but eight uh, protein, protein changes encoding changes. Um, so I don't know whether they do the full sequence to find out if it's Delta. I, I think Delta has like 16 different changes, eight in the important part or so, something like that. I, there, I read a paper on that the other day. I don't know whether they sequence the whole thing or they sequence just the spike protein or they sequence just the receptor binding domain. But in some way, they take a subset and sequence that and to see which strains are out there in which sections of the country. But they don't do it for everybody because I think it's too time consuming and expensive. As That's my as, understanding. As far as whether the shots work and, and debating the science like this, I think, I think it misses the point. I think that the point here is even if it did work, we don't have a, a system of government where we're ruled by experts. And the whole point of this exercise when we ask, is it working? The point of the exercise is they want to control us and they want to force us to take it. This is long. This is long. They've, they've said it was a public health issue, but it's long since it stopped being a public health issue right. since they've squashed concerns about the about the treatments. And if, if you're going to make it about treatments, then you've got to let people question things. You've got to let people object to things. You've got to let you know different scientific points of view come out. And they're, they're not allowing any of that. So this is not about science. It's not, it hasn't been about science for a long time. And it's about forcing, forcing us to do what they tell us to do and getting obedience. And in that sense, it's working just great. Unquestionably. I mean, I shared um, with everybody during the week, there was information that leaked out about teachers having an app where they would be able to track which students had the virus and didn't uh, had the vaccine and did not have the vaccine yet, asking them questions and things of that nature, and then popping it in, and then using that to obviously strong arm, uh, you know, kids having get the, the vaccine. And I mean, it, you know, it makes your head spin how far we've come from two two weeks to slow the spread to now vaccine passports, teachers in schools get, being given an app you know, to try to compel our kids to have, you know, the back. I mean, Mike, it, how is that different than them pushing transgenderism on our kids? I mean, it's listen, the same issue. I, I, I get it. 
I mean, <laughs> you, know. So, you know, I put up the story of a physician. And now these are the same physicians that their licenses are threatened if they say masks may not work and maybe you don't need um, a vaccine and maybe ivermectin works. A physician saying literally in writing he won't treat people who aren't vaccinated because it's such a horrible death. Now, as far as I know, he hasn't yet lost his license. I, I don't know if I've never heard of a physician saying I won't treat a patient for any type of behavior. I think they may have tried it in the 80s and that would have been squashed with HIV really, really fast, even if the doctor were actually scared to death for his own life. Yeah, of course, I read where this pregnant woman went in for heart issues and the cardiologist wouldn't treat her. Um, that was all over Telegram. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, we have obviously, you know, podcast, the podcast servers have been good as far as um, not taking down people who talk about um, who, who talk about uh, forbidden subjects. Mean like so that? we can do a podcast, but you can't do it on YouTube anymore and you can't do it on uh, Twitter or Facebook. Uh, I tried to post an article with a link to, uh, you know, the, the obvious article was went through every a randomized controlled trial of mass of cloth cloth and surgical masks not n95s uh showing that they have no effect whatsoever right and um and facebook basically uh a put a warning on it saying oh they, they this is disputed by experts i clicked through that warning to try and find the papers that absolutely I'll dispute it. it it is garbage um and and I got no engagement. You know, I got like three likes, you know, I yeah. mean, usually I get 20, 30, a hundred sometimes if it's a cat picture, I mean, I got like three, I mean, no engagement whatsoever. So, I mean, you can't even, even if they allow you to post it, they're not going to show it to people. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the, the thing is we just got to have everybody move to telegram and to signal and to, you know, rumble to the extent that rumble is still free and rumble. And thank God is still free. I want to bring up, um, well, apparently not, according to. Uh, oh, they're having that big fight, Bongino and the head of Gab or something. Gab, yeah. yeah. Big, big, interesting fight. I want to bring up a couple of other issues before we move across the globe. Um, I got into a, I'll call it discussion, for those who know me, I never get angry, with several very educated individuals about the issue of vaccines and masks, et cetera. And I kid you not, they never heard of a PCR cycle. And what? they never heard the word ivermectin. Now you're debating yeah. with people who vote, with people who are very willing to force all these rules on you. And these are like the same people, albeit educated, who debate climate change and never heard of a hockey stick. <laughs> so if that's what we're dealing with in the educated populace, how can we possibly win? And by the way, they're not educated because they only read what the left and mainstream media feeds them. When yes. somebody, they didn't hear of a PCR cycle, and while we were having this discussion, I asked someone to Google cycles, and he Googled it, and he came up with a number that if they reduce the cycles from 40 to 30, which is still considered reasonable, 80%, not 10%, not 20, 80% of the tests would have been negative, but they never heard of that issue. So that is staggering. And we also got into the issue of are masks harmful because they always lean on the fact, well, it can't hurt. And I brought up this whole <laughs> developmental issue. And I, I saw even preparing for today's show, 
there are, quote, experts saying it's very bad for children, the masks, not only the physical and the garbage on the mask, but as far as language development, et cetera. And then, of course, they will find their experts to say no such thing. But we actually spoke with a speech therapist, and the word this person used for the effect on language acquisition wearing a mask was devastating. But again, you're not allowed to say that there, we all saw that quote study from Brown University that it affects IQ. Not quite sure how you test an infant for IQ, but I guess they know how. You're not even allowed to say that it's harmful. And that is it's unbelievable. So half the population doesn't even know the facts. Forget so about it. Let me ask you this. Were they intellectually curious about what you were bringing forward that they didn't know? Um, in the sense that when made to Google, they at least admitted that information was out there. But what you usually get, I mean, I conceded right away that MSN was a right-wing conspiracy theory tinfoil hat site. I didn't want to argue that MSN was mainstream in any way. So in that sense, yes. But And then the fallback position is, so you're accusing the whole world of a conspiracy? Is everybody lying? I said, no. Everybody telling the truth is being squashed. Um, if we want to talk about this big Harvard doctor who's getting squashed right now because he's speaking out against some of this uh, COVID fascism. Yeah. So that's always the fallback. So is everybody lying? But yeah, no, it's not that they're lying. It's that they're, re they're repeating lies. There's a little bit of a difference. There, there are certain people that are at the top that are lying and that are spreading the lies and preventing the truth from getting out. And the rest of them are just chanting what they've heard. So I, for me, I, that's not the part that I find the most disturbing. And, you know, when I get faced with bringing something up to someone on the left, even, you know, seemingly intellectual people, more often than not, I get them just ignoring it and never being even willing to admit that they don't, they've never heard that discussion. It gets shoved under the rug or something along the lines of, you know, that's just a conspiracy theory kind of thing. Intellectual curiosity seems to be absent. And that to me, first of all, it's disturbing in, a, in what's supposed to be a reasoned and evolved society. But again, I've been through this. I've been through the process of that awakening to an awareness that holy crap, there's a boatload of information that I had no idea that I wasn't being exposed to and that they don't take that leap and say, wait, what do you mean? Tell me, explain me, I wanna learn. The absence of that I find is what's disturbing and it's, it kind of prevents me from even use the word, using the word intellectual or intelligent with these people because yep. it's not your academic achievements in my mind in that moment. In that moment, it's whether or not you're willing to go down the, the intellectual curiosity path and say, explain to me, I wanna understand. Jody, that's just the flip side of they're not really they're anti-science. The scientific yeah. method right. doesn't allow for consensus. It doesn't allow for science being settled. Everything is always open to new challenges and new facts and new theories as long as replicable right. data is presented. I, I was telling a story to a friend of our uh, of seminars in, in grad school. We, you know, the, the, the guy presenting the presentation would get to like slide two before all the professors would start arguing with each other and arguing with the presenter and all right and then 45 minutes later the moderator would say well okay let's uh 
let's um, let this guy finish his presentation. And then the next, it's, it does like a slide every second to get through the presentation. And then he says, any questions? And they all start arguing again. I mean, that, yeah. that was the science, that was science as I uh, experienced it. Um, yeah. There's a bunch of, a bunch of professors arguing over, over math. And uh, if you're not allowed to argue, you know, then it isn't science. Yeah. I don't know what it well, is. Totalitarian. Okay. Well, the, the irony too is they'll smear us as the flat earthers, but they're really the flat earthers. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not willing to be open to the fact, to the possibility that you're wrong, you're a flat earther. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Well, it's crazy. I, I, all these people, I mean, I, you know, I, I have the advantage of actually having done science at one time in my life. And so I kind of have a fairly close up look at what it is and uh, it is not what you see on television. Um, so I, not just in fiction on television, but what you see, you know, a guy in a lab coat comes out and, and talks to you. Nobody wears lab coats out of the lab. Come on. It's all, it's all propaganda, right? I mean, it, the, it's not that we object to rule by experts, though we do. It's that we're actually ruled by buffoons, right? That's as right Tucker Carlson there. said. I mean, that's the that's the problem. I mean, yeah, I, I guess ruled by experts would be pretty bad, but Jesus, why do we have to be ruled by these idiots? And they're voted in by blithering ignoramuses who do get to vote. And so, Jody, I agree with you. The lack of intellectual curiosity is horrific, but the fact is, you can read the New York Times cover to cover watch CNN 24 hours a day and several other outlets as well and never hear these words. Right, so uh, that was my experience. That's what I'm, I'm suggesting is that's where I was. I watched MSNBC, I watched Sunday's, uh, the Sunday shows. And that's where I was, where I believed that what I was consuming was factual information, was basically everything I needed to know. But once the intellectual door started to open a little bit, I didn't stop and say, oh, no, that's got to be all lies. I said, wait, what does that mean? I went down the intellectual curiosity hole. I followed intellectual curiosity instead of shutting it down in the moment that the intellectual door started to open. The fact that so many grown adults in the United States seeming, again, seemingly uh, successful, at least somewhat, actually slam the intellectual door, don't have intellectual curiosity, don't ask, what do you mean? Why I, I'm interested in understanding why you believe this and instead attack it. That's the part that I find so deeply disturbing. Jody, how many Not that they don't know. It's that they are, um, they uh, attack anything that questions. How often have you heard you can't believe anything you read on the internet? <laughs> right. From people who believe everything they read on, or hear on TV. Yes. George Stephanopoulos never lies, never doesn't, you know, he, you know the, the same people. Yes, I, I totally get that. Yes. I mean, there's an element of altruism in all this that's been at play from the be beginning, right? that people are willing to sacrifice themselves for others and they think they're morally on, on the high ground for doing that. Well, that's and, not and that, really what's happening. That's a that, false pretense. Cause that's, yeah, I mean, well, that, that persists, that persists. I, I mean, that's the way they present it to us, right. Yes. As, on, in terms of a moral choice, you are an evil bad guy. Cause you won't put yes. a mask on and you're killing grandma. Yeah. So that's where can't you, you just, can't you just do that Yes. Yes. for somebody else? That's where you you're got not, you're not supposed to question authority. 
And so I, I, I also think there's an element of peer pressure involved in all this too, right? People just tend to acquiesce to what everybody else is thinking, what the prevailing point of view is, and not many are like us and willing to go against the grain. Okay, we're ready to fly. Yeah. Wait, ready? I want to say, can we before we go off this subject? I wanted to bring up that Brown University um, study study about IQ tests in infants. I don't know if anybody like went through it, but uh, in case you didn't, when you get to the bottom of that study, um, which shouldn't be surprising, two things. Number one, they talk about how. Uh, socioeconomic status, you know, mitigates this problem of, you know, our youth having problems with IQ. So the burden, the burden of everything we're seeing obviously falls on poor people. Nothing new with the left. That's how they function. All, all horrible burdens from the left fall, fall on poor people. But not everything from the left, all the burdens fall on racial minorities now. Right. No, well, no, no, I'm talking about literally, factually, we see whether you're white, black, brown, whatever, socioeconomically, people do worse under leftist rule than anyway. But what, what you should also realize is then they go into how the solution is, of course, more government spending on all the social programs. So <laughs> just keep that in mind as we tout the Brown study. Well, I mean, you know, if we have one transition to the Afghanistan, how about the media, uh, uh, you know, reaction was, is more, you know, Taliban take over women and minority hardest hit. I mean, it's, which is the old joke uh, about, you know, the end of the world, uh, headlines on the Washington Post. And that's all they're th talking about. It's like, well, what happens to women's rights? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, in Kabul, in areas of Kabul, yes, women were doing great under American uh, leadership. But the rest of the country <laughs> were just as bad. They were just as bad under American uh, occupation as they were, as they're gonna be under the Taliban. So don't, yes, I mean, yes, there are some, yes, it's, it's very shame, but there's some metropolitan Kabul women who are not gonna be happy about this, but. Right. So in moving to Afghanistan, which obviously we've expressed many strong opinions over the week and we can, share most of them right now is many, many angles, among them what you're hinting at now, the relative deprivation angle of are they by definition worse off than 20 years ago because they've gotten a glimpse of something better, which is for sure true, at least for some people. Um, it's really hard to frame this discussion because there's so many different angles about it. Is it what we think? Is it our impression of what happened? Is it the fact that Hamas is congratulating Taliban and they're using this as great, we beat the Americans? Is it the fact that the Taiwanese are or aren't more nervous? So in other words, is it the reality or is it the impression that people are getting from this that counts? Another angle is the press seems to be splitting up. Some of them are continuing to defend Biden, but many of them are continuing to attack. And is that just their way of running for cover for themselves? So this whole bunches of takeaways on um, whether we agree we should have been there, how we should have gotten out. I would guess most people in this group lean towards we shouldn't have been there and for sure should have gotten out way before this. And very few people think that this was the way to do it. I mean, 
the picture of the guy who half of him was left in the wheels of the plane was probably as bad as the ones of them falling out of the plane. What do they say? What's worse than biting into an apple and seeing a worm? Being the worm. No, seeing half the worm. Half a worm. So <laughs> with that, with that, I will turn. I mean, I, I, that the guy hanging out of the plane or falling out of the plane, that's just evolution in action. I, I'm sorry, I have no, I, have you seen the pictures of the evacuation of Dunkirk? All the men lined up in lines on the beach. Yeah. Uh, order li orderly lines with the German planes and the bombs and everything. And they're just standing there waiting. On the and come on. I mean, yeah, it's, it's evolutionary. The Brits would rather die than not line up in a queue or queue up, as they say. And the Middle Easterners would rather die than queue up no matter what. So part of that, all joking aside, I've had Israelis who come to America and can't understand people waiting for a bus in line. So I do agree with you, but part of that is cultural. Yes, grabbing onto the wheels of a plane, I agree with you. It does say something about evolution. I think, I think the, I mean, there's a lot of angles to this story, but the one that interests me the most is that the, that there are parts of the press that are starting to attack Biden. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a, a precursor to him ultimately being pushed out of office. Uh, it reminds me of how the press started. It, it, the press didn't all turn on Cuomo in one in one day. It started and then it was a rising drumbeat. And I don't think that we're at the rising drumbeat yet. But I think I think that this is the beginning of of the end for Joe Biden as president. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be after the the midterms, which is what I originally had thought. Um, it could be sooner. Um, but I think that I think that when the I mean, they hide their their bad guys all the time. I mean, the, the telltale giveaway was when they when they decided Cuomo was expendable or, or the telltale giveaway that he was expendable was when the press started going after him. And I think the same thing is true with Biden. I think that he's begun to become a liability. Um, and I think I, I think that. The, the timing of Cuomo's resignation might actually be tied to this. We, we really didn't think about it, but um, maybe maybe the, the whole, not the Biden team, but the whole leftist team saw that this was coming in Afghanistan. And maybe the reason Cuomo's knees needed to be cut off was because they knew that Biden was about to be cut off too. And they didn't want Cuomo to be there as a distraction for Kamala or whoever. Uh, but uh, I think that's the that's the the most interesting angle of the story to me. I think it's the beginning of the end for Joe Biden, um, whether it's the twenty fifth amendment or or a voluntary resignation. I don't know, but uh, I think that's what's going to be coming. Or, or maybe he's just going to die. I mean, hell, we know that the 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 Clinton team is is, is good at suiciding people. Who knows what's going to happen with him? You no, know, I think it was it was either you, Ed, or the other Ed, who made the point months ago that they cannot let Biden resign because they lose the vote in the Senate. And I saw that in it. I think it was a left wing. Um, I did say that. Yeah. Yeah. And the left wing was openly worrying about that same thing as well. So that really is, again, like I say, anybody who's smart took it from this show and generally right. from the ads. But I think they're also worried about that and they don't really have a solution. Well, so I'm a, I'm a solution, dissenter on that. But the solution, the, the issue, though, is we're already we're already coming up on the end of August of 2021. He's only going to have that majority. It's only going to be a 50-50 Senate for another 
12, you know, 15, 16 months or so. Um, I don't think that he's going to be pushed out tomorrow or next week, but I think that they're going to ram through a whole bunch of things pretty quickly. And, you know, that they've already, you know, gotten 19 Republicans to sign on to that infrastructure bill. They're going to get, they're going to get their other three and a half trillion dollar bill passed through. Um, And if they lose their 50, 50, you know, if they can't break the 50, 50 tie for, for six months, uh, maybe that's what they'll do. Or, or maybe they're just, well, you know, maybe it's just going to be that they're laying the groundwork and this is part of how he's going to get kicked out after they lose the midterm elections. I don't think those 19 senators would allow us to go without a vice president. So not, not all of them anyway. So and what, what do they care if there's a tie, if they can get 19 Republicans to go along with their. But the murder, uh, the murder, ridiculous turtle, infrastructure bill, the murder turtle could keep it from coming up for a vote that's that's the thing mitch mcconnell knows how to do that that's what he did with yeah. um they would have the republicans definitely would have um confirmed merrick garland on the supreme court because they have no spine and no principles and no not that the people who ended up getting the job are any better um but uh but the murder turtle knows how to play the senate rules and he will not let it come up if he thinks it, it'll be an advantage to him. So I, I don't, I, I think you're right. I think there's a fairly large um, contingent of Republicans who would say, we can't go without a vice president. My God, if something happens yeah. to President Kamala, then then Nancy Pelosi will be president. We don't want that. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, scrum. You know, I'm not sure Biden has that much left in him. I mean, when you look at that supposedly Photoshopped picture of him all alone in that room, he really has very little energy left at all. Well, even the speech he gave, which we watched uh, on Afghanistan, he's obviously reading a teleprompter. That's every president does that. But there wasn't a whole lot of life behind his eyes uh, when he was reading that. I don't. I can't no. see him lasting another year physically. I mean, they pump him up, but I don't know. It's it's really. Uh, it's, I, so- I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked he musters up the energy to even read the the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. He doesn't uh, do very well. well. Let's talk about Afghanistan a little bit more because yeah. I think there's some good but, things. And I think obviously there are lots of bad things. The, the good things are that, um, you know, our foreign policy establishment has finally in perfect clarity been shown to be the buffoons that they are and the idiots and the incompetence that they actually are. And I think that's all to the good. Anything that can uh that can uh, ruin the reputation of the bipartisan foreign policy consensus is good for America. Except so, it won't be lasting. They'll they'll change the media. On, they'll change people's minds in six months, and everyone will have forgotten. And no, no, will be back to calling people up the will have this, people, the experts. People will have this in mind when we lose the war with China. They will remember this. I hope so. And I that. You're right. It, one thing they can survive. Two things in a row, I don't think they can. Now, I know a lot of good people are going to die in this world with China, but it's, and I feel bad for that. But, um, but you really you think know, we're going to fight for Taiwan, Ed? I'm not so yes. sure we're going to fight. Yes, I think we are, unless the Taiwanese tell us not to. It's going to be over before we even have a chance to fight. No, that's not true. That's not true. The Chinese are, this is not Normandy. The Chinese have no capability of putting an amphibious 
uh, an amphibious assault against a defended uh, target because they don't have air supremacy and they don't have naval supremacy. Um, that said, I, you know, if I were the Chinese, I would do an air assault, obviously, um, because I think that would be much more effective. Take over an airfield and then pump lots and lots of troops into the airfield, airhead and then expand from there. Um, but let's assume, you know, that the Taiwanese will fight. That, that will be, it will be contested. I, I think the problem is that we won't be able to get enough, we won't be able to get enough people there with enough weapons in time because we're not pre-positioning enough effective weaponry in Taiwan because we don't want to offend the Chinese. So I, I, so, I think we'll lose, but I, I think we'll fight. So let's assume the Taiwanese will fight. Isn't that kind of where we were with Afghanistan? And I don't know what the facts and truth are because it depends on, you know, who you get your information from, whether or not the, you know, the Afghan military was ready and able to fight. If you listen to Joe Biden's speech, basically he said, you know, we thought they were ready and, you know, that's what they've been saying for a long time. And, oh, wait, then he says, no, they weren't willing to stand up and fight. So I, I think there's per, I, I think there's truth. And I, I, I think it's all very nuanced. I, I think there were some aspects of the Afghan army that were willing to fight. And um, when we took away the ability for them to use air power, yeah. um, then you know, that that's just, you know, then you're just one group of infantry right. versus another group of, of infantry. And that's, you know, that's where they, were, they weren't going to fight without our help. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing is there probably uh, what I've read was there are probably a lot of phantom troops on the payroll. So like I'm I am battalion commander, you know, uh, Mohammed, and I have 150 people in my battalion. Of course, there's nobody in battalion except him and his buddy and his, his nephew. Um, but the paycheck keeps coming in from the Afghan government, from the United States, the Afghan government, from him. And he says, oh, yes, battalion, very good, very, very good. Uh, so there are a lot of phantom troops there, especially in the outlying provinces. But I think the, I think the groups around Kabul probably were pretty good. Um, not that they're, not that they're good. You know what I mean? Uh, the jumping jack video and the, they can't read, they can't write, they can't count, they don't know their colors. You know, it's like, go to the red house. It's like, what's red? You know? So, um, yeah, I think there were barbarians can fight well, as we know from history. Um, but the Taliban's barbarians were better than our barbarians at it. Uh, and without any without any American assistance or advanced weaponry, they just- it's not, it's, not, it's not really about fighting though. It's about having the wrong idea from the outset. I, idea that we can nation build and impose a Western style democracy on, you know, seventh century barbarians. Yeah, I, okay. Not, so the, not, the, not going to work. Yes. I mean, like I understand what you're saying that, that there's lies going up and down the chain. Lies going up uh, and down. But, of course, I think we all agree. The goal, we go the, goal, in, the goal is never going to be achieved. Yeah. It's, we go in, we kill all the Taliban in 2001, 2002, or to kill all the uh, Al Qaeda in 2001, 2002, and get out. Okay. Yes, we all agree that's probably what we should have done, but that's not what we did. So the question is, what should we do if we're Trump in 2016 or Biden in 2020 or, or whatever? You know, what? How do you get out of this? 
without. I don't know once you're in that you can necessarily just get out. I mean, uh, you know, I'm processing everything from the last few days, and, and I feel like he was told that he should have left a, a small force there to, to assist them, and I don't see a problem with that. Um, you know, if we're just going to ha- have, have it all neutralized, I mean, that might not be a perfect analogy, but we had a blockade on Cuba for a long time. Um, you know, we might not have had boots on the, on, the, on the ground per se or anything, but we neutralized them. Yeah. And that was to our benefit. That was to the benefit of America. So if, if we're attempting to have Afghanistan not be fertile ground for terrorists plotting against us, and it means leaving 4,500 people there to allow them to have air cover and, and, and to you know, protect the country that way, then I don't see a real problem with that. Well, um, the problem, the, the issue there was we had a ceasefire with the Taliban while we negotiated our leaving, right? So that's why it's been so quiet since 2018 is because we had this ceasefire and we're, they were negotiating and we were negotiating and we were coming to a, an agreement. If we had said, okay, we're not going to leave. We're going to uh, leave, you know, two, three, four thousand people in country to help the government. Then the Taliban would have started up a full scale war again, uh, which we would then have have to fight. So I, I, I think, yes, it's been very quiet in Afghanistan, but that's because we were negotiating. I, I, I'm, I hate that I'm going to say this because it's like. It's like Syria, right? Assad's the worst guy in the world, except for all the other people who want to rule Syria. Um, so we should have just left them alone. I, I, I think we probably ought to have negotiated a way to turn over power gradually to the Taliban since it, w- it became obvious 10 years ago that they were going to win. And if that's the truth, instead of lying up and down the chain of command, if we realize, look, the Tal- as soon as we leave the Taliban are going to take over, that should have been the basis for our negotiation. Okay, as soon as we leave, you're going to take over. Um, but here are the conditions, you know, condition A, condition B, condition C. Remember, when you're in the hills, it's hard for us to find you. And so yeah, you go into the hills yeah, where the drones don't get you. When you're in the presidential palace, right. we know where you are. So here are yeah. the conditions, A, B, C, D. And then and then gradually turn it over to the Taliban. I, and I, I hate to say okay, that. But, but isn't, that what, isn't that what Trump was doing more or less? I mean, that I was what was Trump doing. was trying to do. Uh, yes. OK, right. but he, he listen, and I, watched, I watched his interview on Hannity and he said, basically, look, there's going to be conditions. And if you violate stuff, we're just going to start dropping bombs on your head. OK, and he, he says he wouldn't have allowed what happened to happen, that they re- reneged on the deal, et cetera. Well, you know, Biden reneged on the deal. When he moved the date from May 1st to September 11th. <laughs> but, you know, the, the bottom line, is, the bottom line is, is Trump was cutting a deal, but it had teeth. It had teeth. It had and teeth, yes. and I, I think we're confident in saying that he would have not allowed them to get away with certain stuff. And the, the, the fact is that there's conflicting reports about how the Taliban are behaving in Afghanistan. I've heard reports of mass murder and mass rape. I've heard reports of you know, calm in Kabul in the neighborhoods that the foreigners are still in. Whether this is true or not true, or maybe both true, depending on where you are, um, I, I don't know. Nobody, nobody can know except for photographs and videotape. You know, if you, if I, I, the 
Taliban putting the a bunch of prisoners up against the wall, showing the UN development goals 2030 in English of all things. I mean, is that the silliest thing you've ever heard of in your entire life? UN development goals, we're gonna decarbonize our society. And here's the Taliban lining prisoners, women and men and women up against this wall. I mean, if that doesn't show you how stupid our ruling class is, then I don't know what is. I don't know what does. Um, they're talking about, well, they won't be able to teach, you know, gender studies at Afghan Kabul University anymore. They're, they won't allow transgender people anymore. Cat's going crazy because it's dinner time. Um, and then they're nuts. Our, our ruling class is nuts. They're crazy. They're idiots. They don't know anything. They're consumed by this ideology of stupidity, of delusion, of mental illness. They're, they're just the worst people in the world. And that's the message. Our ruling class are the worst people in the world. And if we can get that message out uh, due to this complete and utter debacle, then I think uh, it's a win for us. But, you know, to Jody's point earlier, I mean, I don't think they're going to learn a damn thing from any of this. I mean, I was listening to Biden, too, and he starts talking about human rights while we're vacating the premises. And, you know, obviously the Taliban. They're not going to learn, Mike. It's whether we are going to learn. OK, but what are we going to do to stop them? I mean, whether the again, American people just, are going to. Just, just yeah, to my point. I mean. To my point, when I started hearing Biden talk about human rights, I mean, let's face it. I mean, with everything the Taliban's about to do, that's a joke. But I've, I'm like, this is Jimmy Carter 2.0. I, I went back to look at Jimmy Carter's inaugural speech and, and at least four different places. He's talking about human rights. His whole foreign policy was based on human rights. I mean, and so Biden is telling us the same thing. Here we are 50 years well, later. He's telling us the same thing. That's exactly thing. how they roll, though. And it's not just so understand. All the left has to do is use certain words. And so many people just buy into those words, human rights. Oh my gosh, Biden cares about human rights. All he has to do is say that. They, they disregard and never focus on what are his actions relating to human rights. All the, all the Democrats and left have to do is use the words systemic racism or racism, I'm against racism. All they have to do is say those words. Okay, but, now their actions I mean, could be literally blatantly racist, but they get to keep saying those words. Poverty, we hate poverty and transferring you know, wealth to the, to the already wealthy. While they literally create- But, but again, it's, it, 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 They just use the words and that's what like, people don't learn. That's where it's like, it's like the, the old saying goes, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, whether it's nation building or human you know rights, what? any of this bullshit. Yes. And that that that's what but you happens. know what, Mike? So the question is, how the hell do we get to a sane, rational, rational foreign policy that puts American interests first? And, and obviously right now I don't see it happening, but I think I think we're in trouble. And I think if Biden sticks around, it's just a matter of time before we're caught up in some other mess. So I want to ask two hard questions here, which we've discussed during the week as well. Do we owe, and what do we owe, especially the citizens who broke out of their seventh sensory culture, trusting that we were giving them something for two decades, and now they're going to be killed for trusting that? And second question, this does mean stuff to allies, okay? You know, Oslo Accords and Camp David Accords in the Middle East, and I speak of that because I know more about those than most things. And they're all based on the United States having the back of Israel being willing to give up land. 
And I know Netanyahu came out with a statement that, boy, they pushed us to do something nine years ago, and it's really good we didn't trust them on that. So now that we've shown again, not for the first time, that our having your back means absolutely nothing, this changes dynamics in many other places in the world. You know what? And that part of Biden, Biden's uh, monologue, because it certainly wasn't a discussion, but that part of his little monologue, I found deeply, deeply disturbing because essentially all those people in Afghanistan who were counting on us in a lot of ways and stepped, stepped into dangerous zones, he really was blaming them in a way when he was basically, he spent some, some time in the first five minutes blaming Trump, blaming the Afghan people. And I can't imagine what those people must feel like. And so when a man like, when a man says those things under these circumstances, while he's simultaneously using the words, um, uh, what was humanitarian, uh, uh, human rights, when he clearly doesn't act like he gives a hoot about other humans in the first five minutes, why don't people get that? What it's very, very distressing that he basically threw many Afghan people under the bus while he gets to pretend that he cares about human rights. I'm going to disagree. With with the, I'm going to disagree with the whole premise that we've betrayed any ally here. Um, I, I completely disagree with that. We we went in there to defeat Al Qaeda, insofar as it became a nation building exercise. And we can debate whether that was a good thing or not. But insofar as it was a nation building exercise, we promised them that we would build. I mean, I don't think we promised them anything, but what we did was we built a, we gave them the infrastructure for a free society if they want it. And they've made clear over 20 years, they don't value liberty. They don't value freedom. They don't value a free society. It's not what they want. If they, if they did, the Taliban wouldn't be as popular as they are. And so I don't think that we've betrayed the Afghans. I don't think leaving betrays them. I don't think we've done anything to make them worse other than possibly leaving behind some of the war material that we left behind in our, in our hasty departure. That's the one thing, I mean- Well, I'll take I mean, that. I guess the, the large thing that I would attack, that I would you know, say Biden did awful was he did, it, he, he did withdrawal in a humiliating way and he allowed all of our, you know, a lot of our guns and our, jeeps and, and a lot of our vehicles and, and other munitions to fall into the hands of the Taliban. In that respect, yes, we made it worse. But otherwise, we gave them hope. We gave them a chance. Freedom is not something that you can give in a welfare program. Freedom and liberty is something that every person, every society has to fight for and want for itself. It can't be given. There's no white man's burden to, to you know, to quote, uh, Rhodes, who uh, who said that about uh, the British Empire, there's no there's no spreading, you know, the, there's no forward strategy of freedom, which was George W. Bush's idea. There's no you don't we don't spread the military on the on the backs of the uh, of the U.S. military any more than we spread capitalism by trading by having free trade with dictatorships like China and Cuba or whoever. Okay, if but people what, are what not saying is I go into a poor neighborhood and I say. You can trust me. It doesn't have to be this way. You can move into a much nicer house down the street. You can give up your blue collar job and enroll in a college. And I promise when you get out, I'm going to give you a good job. And you change your budget and you change all your structure. And then one day I just walk away and you're foreclosed and you're shot to death. 
we told people that if you live a certain lifestyle, you are going to have a better life. We lied. We did not back that we up. We didn't lie. We, first well, of all, let, I don't think we said between... that. And as so far as we said anything like that, go look at what we were saying. We were talking about, you know, you mentioned it yourself. We, we talked about gender studies classes. We talked about transgenderism and female studies. And I mean, this is a patriarchal society. They don't value women. I don't so agree nobody, with that. So what you're saying is no one should have believed this in the first place. And what I'm no, saying to that is that changes the entire structure of the world, which has probably been the structure of the world for centuries, is bottom line is people had to trust their allies, okay? Always had to trust their allies. And so I don't think we did anything trust, untrustworthy. Had to trust FDR. No, we said, we have your backs. You can go to school. You can get a degree. You're a woman. You can go out in pants. Right. And we How gave them 20 years to build a free society. But the people who bought into that can't make the free society. We didn't say. Well, that's not our responsibility. Of course it is. We didn't say to a woman, you can wear pants and get a job teaching in a university if you're willing to convince the other 20 million people here to fight for their lives. We said, we're going to build you a society where you can do this. What should that woman have done? But the, look, you use the example of, of the inner city here, of the poor neighborhood. We don't, we, we don't make them succeed by giving them welfare. We don't give them, we don't. No, we don't no, make that's them not succeed. what I said. I said, we tell them, Give up your job. But that's exactly no, no. What you that's exactly what you said. You said we build them schools. We no, build no, them no, this. We build them said. that. I said, trust us. We're going to lend you money. We're going to get you into a PhD program. At the end of which, you're going to be making two hundred thousand dollars a year as a professor of economics in Harvard. Blah blah blah. And they base their whole lives on that. And then we walk away and say, sorry, we were just kidding. Yes, the American. The American colonists created a free society by fighting for their liberties. The British. The British people forced King John to sign the Magna Carta. They, they forced the British royalty to, to give up power in the, in, the, in, the 16, in the 17th century. You have to fight for your own freedom. We can help them the way the French helped us during the American Revolution, but we can't give it to them. I mean, this is an impossible you're, you're, you're thing that you're- that You believe that we made no promises to anybody in Afghanistan that if you live a more Western type of life, you will have a better life. By the way, anybody remember the Shah of Iran? Was that I'm not saying, the same type of a thing? We said, you have a Western society. And then we said, whoops. And the Ayatollah I'm saying, killed them all. I'm saying we didn't make that promise, but if we did, no reasonable person could believe it. As far okay, as the Shah is concerned- if that is true, then don't you dare ask Israel to ever give back an inch. Don't you dare ask Taiwan. I've to never work. asked Israel to don't give back an inch. I don't think they should. And don't you dare ask any country in the world to not ally with Russia and China. And we're in really big trouble because- No, no I disagree with that premise. Your premise, you're embedding the premise that we betrayed the Afghans. And I don't think that we betrayed the Afghans. We didn't betray anybody. They didn't want to build a free society. That's you the bottom line. They, the people in charge did not want a free society, but there were a couple hundred thousand people who did and trusted us that if they followed this, listen, I this don't, what's the evidence for that? Well, let's go interview the women on the street. OK, for 20 years, we've been telling them you can live a different type of life. And now all of a sudden they're going to live that life and the Taliban are going to stone them to death. You're saying we didn't tell them that? I'm saying the whole pro the whole reason why withdrawal was inevitable and necessary the whole reason why Ed Powell said a few minutes ago that that the Taliban victory was was obvious in 2010 is precisely because these people don't want a free society. They don't 
don't want liberty. And it was obvious to anyone who was looking that that was the case. So we didn't betray anyone. We're just recognizing reality for what it is. Now, we didn't have to go and cut tail and, and leave, the, leave the Taliban you know, weapons. I don't know if we left tanks, but we left uh, Humvees, we left Jeeps, we left helicopters, we left guns. That, those things are going to be turned on the people there, and they're going to, frankly, be turned on Americans and Europeans around the globe. That was a stupid thing. That was a mistake. I don't, I don't approve of that. But my point is, we didn't betray the Afghan people. If there's any betrayal at all, it's the Afghan people didn't hold up their end of the bargain. They didn't build a free society. They didn't embrace the, uh, the ideas of liberty. They didn't say, what do we need to do to, build, to, to understand what the Bill of Rights is and what free speech really means and what freedom of religion really means? They have my, no idea what those things are. You're arguing my point. They did not invite us. We went in there and imposed on them against their will the promise of a different future if they follow something they never wanted. And now you say now we've left and they've got exactly the same thing they had before. No, they do not. Because those women will not be stoned to death had they lived the same way the last 20 years they, that they did the first 20 years. They were being they stoned to death before we got there. No, that no. The ones who were wearing burqas and hijabs and behaving themselves would not have been stoned to death. We taught them to live a different lifestyle, and now they will be stoned to death. Okay? They had a chance for ten. Listen, look, look at what happened in Persia. It's the exact same thing that happened in Persia. For 10, 20 years, we backed the Shah. We gave them a lifestyle. We, when the Ayatollah came in, he goes, "It's because you're living that lifestyle that the West promised you. We're going to kill all of you people." And that's what happened. We. I mean, that's an oversimplification. The Shah was a very corrupt dictator. Not and an oversimplification. We went in and imposed our lifestyle on them. We walked away and they suffered the consequences. How do we impose our lifestyle on them? That's not, that's not an accurate assessment. We, we didn't do it in Iran. We didn't do it in, in Afghanistan. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Women, women did not change their lifestyles because America took over their government for 20 years. Nobody imposed that on them. If they looked at it and said, that's a good thing, then they chose to do that. We gave them some liberty. And we gave them a taste of what liberty is. And it was up to them to understand, okay, if this is the kind of life we want, there are certain things we have to do. Just like, like in like, America like, today, like, like kill, we, we want, we want kill liberty in America, but we're not willing to fight for it and do the things that are necessary to sustain liberty. And that's why we're losing it here. Funny. Nobody on this show is willing to fight for liberty, but you're saying the Afghanis should have. I don't see one person on this show who has picked up a gun and gone to Washington, and the ones who did on January 6th are sitting in jail. So then you're saying they should have fought for liberty? They didn't have that we have, we're not at the point of a civil war yet, Steve. Maybe we will be, and maybe but that'll you're be the saying time. Yeah, but the, the Afghans been, were actually being given the weapons and the arms to actually you're saying protect themselves. They put on, I mean, <laughs> woman put on a pair of pants. Our government's trying to take it away from us. She should have been willing to pick up a gun and fight her government to guarantee it. And no, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying that the men in that society should have the been. The men never figured. wanted it. The men never wanted it. Okay. We well, so that at most, so I, I don't know how do we betray saying, them? But at most, it just justifies possibly allowing some of the women to be refugees to come here, uh, which is a whole separate issue we, we haven't talked about yet. All the refugees that, that Mitt Romney and, and George W. Bush are talking about are young males that, that are trying to lead their women and children. Any person, this is two decades. Somebody was born at two. They are now 20 something years old. Oh. They've lived their whole life based on a promise that they can live a life like Jody lives in America. 
We left. We gave them hope. Not so what, the end, and then never. It sounds won. like you're saying that we owed them to be their policemen forever. That they had no obligation promised, to, to take over their own security. Them, when we said to the mother, don't let your child live in this horrific, barbaric life that you've been living all these years. Send them to school. They can have a better life. That is what mothers did with their children. Yes, we promised them that they're not going to get killed for doing that. 100%. because no promised that we wouldn't kill them for doing that. We can't control what other people are going to do. No, we That's can't not our responsibility. It's the Taliban's responsibility. Convince them that we will be giving you a democracy. We will be giving you a way. That's to- my point. We can't give anyone a democracy. But we promise. That's not, a, that's not possible. We promised it. And now we are people. Where do we, I don't see where we promised it. Where do we promise that? We, we did our best to help them. But just because we offer to help someone doesn't mean that we promised them. An no, we, as we told them they're safe changing their lives from a 7th century life to a 21st century life. You're saying we never did that. We never. How long did we have? How long did they have to to, to learn the, the rules of a free society? Were we supposed to stay there for a thousand years? How long are we supposed to live to learn the rules? Of I think 20 society? years is long enough for them to figure out what a free society requires and to Who's start them? doing it. Who's them? We don't know. We're, we're crushed by vaccine passports. We don't fight back. They're supposed to fight back. You mean the 20 women who went to school and didn't stay on their farm tending to their donkey, they're supposed to fight back? We don't I'm fight saying, back. Why would they? Why would they? We, you're telling me we didn't make a promise to them when we built them schools and said, go to schools that you're going to have a better life. That's not a promise. In they did have a better life. In Afghanistan, our government was actually trying to help them. Here in America, our government's our enemy. Wait a minute. Can I just say maybe what you're pointing out, Steve, is exactly the reason why we have inner cities with generations of people stuck in poverty. Yep. Because when you promise people that you're going to lift them out of something, they sit around and they wait for you to lift them out instead of taking the initiative to say, oh, wait, you're giving me the opportunity and the Jody, energy Jody, for me to lift myself up. We did not do in Afghanistan what we did in the inner city, okay? I got news for you. Let's go back in American history. No, what we did in Afghanistan was worse, Steve. A hundred times worse. Be, we well, no, I mean, what, I'm not talking about the promises. I'm talking about, again, in certain areas of Kabul, yes, it looked like a modern society. But we appointed the most grotesque, awful, homicidal, rapacious warlords to be governors of some of these provinces and Wait, and they're what we've done here sorry they're, they're <laughs> just as bad as the taliban if not worse in fact in a lot of ways the taliban are better because they at least impose some sort of order on these provinces we were responsible for just awful atrocities committed by people who we appointed in, in some of these things and yes in Kabul. so i i'm going to agree with well, both how do we not I'm, owe them something I'm going to agree with both of you. I don't think we, I'm, I'm going to agree with Ed. We don't know the quote unquote Afghan people anything. I'm going to agree with Steve. I think there are some individuals, some individuals that we owe something to, not 100,000 or 200,000 or whatever. There's, there's probably less than a thousand, maybe, maybe two, 3,000 people that we made specific promises to. Um, and for them, yeah, uh, br- bring them in. I, I, I hate to say that because I don't think we should import any refugees. But. What about what about all those translators that we begged to help us? Let them rot. Actually, they're the ones I was specifically thinking of. But um, 
let's just let's just take, they know english they can come into the united states let's just and take so i assume they're translators they know them in the united states they can move to cutter i don't care where they move yeah but if you ask somebody to help you in any war and you betray them and let them die no one's helping you in the next war and does anybody believe there won't be a next war look the united states is a terrible ally except to certain peers to peers we're probably a good ally but I don't think we're good to anybody as an ally. We're no, I mean we're good to Britain and and Germany and Israel and South Korea. I mean we we are good allies. I remember Peter's. when Obama came in after Bush and said, "I'm tearing up that letter." So no, we've never been a reliable ally. Obama Bush letter? What? Bush had written some kind of letter at the end of his term saying about the Israelis can build on certain places. There was a famous letter. And Obama came and said, I don't care what that letter says. No, we've never been a reliable ally. And the problem is that smart heads of states always knew that. But the reason you have a left-wing government in Israel is because they go to their populace and say, United States has got our back. We can move left. Anybody who thinks the United States has their back should have their head examined. That's not to say that we wouldn't have some people's backs, but the the whole European project was based around, we don't need to defend ourselves, America will defend us. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been 80 years since the war and that is over. The United States may or may not fight with uh, uh, alongside Europeans or Israelis or Koreans or Taiwanese. They may or may not do that. I think they probably would, but they aren't gonna do 90% of the fighting like, or, you know, 95% of the fighting, like everybody has been counting on. So uh, the Americans in the revolution did 95% of the fighting and the French helped us with like 5%. This is what I think everybody should, everybody in the world should understand that that's the new plan. They can't count on the United States to do 95% of the fighting. They can't count on us to do 50% of the fighting. They can't count on us to do 85 I'm talking about the fighting. I'm talking about having your back. When Netanyahu came here a couple of years ago and spoke to the UN, everybody made this big thing that he knifed Obama in the back, et cetera, et cetera. Iran is very close to a nuclear weapon, as I understand it. And the entire push in Israel to allow this to happen is coming from the fact that we can rely on America to protect us. Well, I'll tell you what, you can't rely on America to protect Israel from Iran. That's for sure, because that would be a that disaster. Right. That would be a disaster. Israel doesn't have the military capability to strike Iran, and America is um, vast, uh, very fast losing the military capability to fight Iran. So that ain't going to happen. Well, actually, I'm uh, not a defense expert, but I'm pretty sure they had planes in Azerbaijan ready to do something to Iran when Obama leaked. Oh, oh, you mean Israel did? Yes. And by the oh, way, okay. Israel has set Iran back through assassinations, through yeah. computer tricks. They have methods. If the United States wouldn't forget back then, they actually knife them in the back. I agree with you. No one should ever trust America. But the reality is that allies of America risk their lives because they believe American promises. I, I, all I can say is I, I don't know why they do. Do they have absolutely no view of history? I'll I tell mean, you exactly why they do. For the exact reason I just told you, the two people with advanced degrees never heard of ivermectin. Yeah. They exactly. never heard Steve, of the United States Steve. ever betraying another country. Steve, you talk, you, you mentioned the, the women who, who send their girls to school in Afghanistan. 
and they you say that they relied on us. How long were they entitled to rely on us without themselves building a free society? How long? The same amount of time our children should rely on us to build a free society. No, no, no. that's a, that's, that's twenty years. No, no. How we're long? Not it's been twenty years. It's we, been twenty. We, years. Should we stay there a thousand years? What if they never build a free society? We can never impose on their government, which we can't. Then we need to get them out. Okay. We promised them you can have this lifestyle. They banked on it. We need to get them out. Okay. We're not, nobody fights for liberty. Okay. We're so not. then you're talking about some very tiny, small but minority of the population. It may be fine. You know, let me finish what I'm saying. I, that's a far cry from saying we betrayed the Afghan people. Not Maybe the, like Ed Powell said, we betrayed this tiny minority of a thousand or two thousand okay, people. Because you're hearing the Afghan people as the collective, and I'm saying the Afghan people as some of the Afghan people. So to clarify, we're not disagreeing on that. Most of the Afghan people were very happy living in the seventh century, did absolutely nothing to change that. And I really don't care about them, to be honest. I'm not talking about them, but I'm okay. talking about people who risked their lives to change a lifestyle based on a promise they we owe something to. And when we okay. knife, when we knife those people in the back, just like I believe. No, 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 no. That's, that's just, that's inflammatory languages. We didn't knife them. The Taliban are the wait. ones knifing them. No, 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 wait. So that's where I, because what I was mentioning was Joe Biden's speech. Now look, whether or not you could, they or we could say we owed them, even if, whether we owed them or not to me is irrelevant to the fact that the president of the United States was standing up there in a time that was, and you know, there has to be some semblance of responsibility for the United States a little bit for, for what a lot of those people are going through right now, whether we owed them or not. I find why? it, I find no, tell it. Tell me why, why is it our responsibility? Why do we, we have to their country Because we went in there 20 years ago. So at maybe at the very least in your presidential speech and in that moment in a time of horrifying distress and violence in that, that area, you don't say, by the way, it's your fault. I'm just saying he could have left that out. I, I, you know, whether we owe them or not, it, it, it felt really disturbing to me that here's the president of the United States at a time where these people are facing such horrifying things, many, many people. And, and he's basically saying, and by the way, you're a lot to blame. I, I'm just saying, what I think that could have been left to me out. About that, what was disturbing to me about that was he also said the buck stops with me. Yeah. And then he blamed everybody else. He blamed Trump. Yes. He blamed yes. the Afghans. He blamed yes. everybody but himself, yes. even though he said the buck stops with me. So he's a goddamn liar. He okay. spent that a whole lot of time blaming everyone. It was disturbing. My whole point yeah. here has been that it, it is the fault of the Afghans. It's up to them to build a free society. We can show them. We can tell them. We can help I mean, them. To the, to the to the extent that we made a promise, we we afforded them an opportunity. That was that was the promise. Right. We didn't say that we were going to stay there forever. At exactly. some point, I mean, I we, we had we had drawn down troops over the years. There weren't as many there as people think. Okay, so we we were gradually at some point going to leave, and that they were going to have to be autonomous. But right. Ed is right. To the I point can appreciate they that. Were I, never, they were never going to become autonomous. They were never going to fight yeah. for it. And we, we don't even know. I, I mean, I can't get into the head. I can't stand get up and blame those people. It's I, distressing. I, I, I can't get into the heads of the, of the Afghans who were there, who were, who were side by side with us in the military. I mean, um, you know, again, it's a culture that's foreign to ours. 
I, I don't know how much they fear the Taliban that they were ever going to ever fight against them. I, you know, I, I don't know, but we didn't we didn't promise them that we were going to be there forever. Mike, Mike, I will agree with you if you show me. We didn't promise we would be there forever. Show me the invitation they sent us in twenty in uh, two thousand one. Uh, well, obviously that didn't happen. Nine eleven happened. We went, Look, we, we could conquer them. Country. We could have conquered them, like really yeah. conquered them, right. like exactly. water millions of them, just wipe out whole yeah. sections of the country. Okay. And Ed, after Ed, we Ed, after we Ed, murdered ten or you know twenty percent of the population, yeah, the rest would listen to us. Okay, but so you guys know, all agree. I mean, we were within our rights to drop some big you bombs all agree, on them. Mike, if I go to you and I say, don't send your child to a technical school, I will support them for eight years of postgraduate work, et cetera, et cetera. And I dump them in the middle. You agree I owe them nothing. I'm not sure if I'm following you on that one. Okay. You want to send your kid to a mechanic school. They're going to get a job out of high school. They're going to make $60,000 a year. I say, Mike, old buddy, old chum, we've been friends for years. I promise to support your child through PhD in electrical engineering. They're going to make $500,000 a year the rest of their lives. After three years of college, I say, goodbye. I never meant it. I don't owe you anything. I think I don't think that analogy is accurate. I don't think I don't know. I'm assuming all of you have lived overseas in other cultures. I'm going to stipulate that for the moment. Culture, you know, I mean, you, you can make promises of education, but the person ultimately has to work and do it themselves. They don't they? If they get killed for having the education, Mike, these women will be killed for having the education. OK, listen, you, I, I would I, I'd agree on the notion that we, we probably should have done something else for the people who are legitimately with and us. I got news for you. I don't feel like continuing the I, argument because I'm losing it, apparently. We did very much the same thing in the South in the Civil War. We promised the blacks a certain type of life if we win the war, and then we left and they got lynched. Okay, yes, Look, we gave them a certain hope for a certain type of life. We left, they pay, they paid for it. Listen, I, whether you're right or wrong, I think perception-wise, in a geopolitical sense, we're taking a major hit. And, and it may well manifest itself in more problems down the road, but... The lesson, again, is that we can't get ourselves into the situation. It's why before I pose the question, what what do we do from here to adopt a sound, rational foreign policy, an America first foreign policy? I, I, I just don't see that it's going to happen under Joe Biden. That's for sure, because I think he's already on the wrong track. The whole reason we're taking a geopolitical hit, though, is because this premise that Steve is putting out there is, is basically being unchallenged. And that's why I'm challenging it. We didn't betray anybody. We gave them an opportunity. They had, they could okay, have had a okay. society. Whether and, you want to call it a betrayal or not, it's being portrayed by our, our enemies as we lost. Right. And where is anybody on our and side? We were to defeated. Say, no, that's not true. Because okay, it isn't true. I don't, I, I, I guess, I, again, like Steve said, show us the invitation. We did go in there. Of our, you know, we we went in there, okay. Uh huh. Let's just suggest. Rightfully so, say, we went in. Where, where is there? We went so into a seventh century. How many of the people in Afghanistan caused 9/11? We didn't go into Saudi Arabia where they did cause 9/11. We went into Afghanistan. How where many, where was Bin Laden? Harbored Al Qaeda. How how many people in in Afghanistan harbored Al Qaeda? 
100, 200, 1,000? I don't know how many. And I know that al-Qaeda and, and, uh, and bin Laden escaped across the border to Pakistan. Right. And we did so not what? invade Pakistan. And we did not invade Saudi Arabia. On the contrary, we harbored them all. Correct. We, and that just shows that Bush did an awful we went job. I'm not country, defending George We w. broke Bush. their sovereignty, went into their country, destroyed their people. Their sovereignty? They were a bunch of savages. Seventh century dictatorship. What kind of sovereignty did they have? The same Who had any freedom in that have? country? I got news for you, Ed. A lot of cultures look on us as savages. Good. And they have a right to invade us because we're savages? Do they have a right to invade us because we're going against- If we don't respect people's rights, then they, then they have, and they and they want to protect people's rights, then they do, which okay. is what we so did. I agree with you 100%. And God, the God of all the three major religions said, I created male and female. We are abusing children by cutting off their genitals from four years old and up. We need to be invaded and put in our place to save these poor children that we're abusing with our ridiculous psychiatric world. We are not the best, best culture in the world. Many cultures look down on us as wacko. Okay, so then you're saying if their culture is barbaric, we can invade them? That's ridiculous. No, I'm saying if, their cult, if, if, a cult, if one culture is not respecting rights, and that's what the, the Taliban were doing in 2001. They were a brutal, repressive dictatorship. And to equate them with, with a rights-respecting society that gets some things wrong is not a fair comparison. Is America perfect? No. But we're not a seventh century dictatorship. You're right. Like we Taliban did not burn was. down the South and kill 700,000 people in the Civil War. You're right. We're not that barbaric. You're right. We're not that barbaric. No, no. we did not kill 700,000 people in the Civil War. We didn't burn the South down. You're right. I don't think that the you're 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 using sarcasm, but I'm I not think using analogy, sarcasm. Analogizing America as, as they are, we. I'm, I'm saying that analogizing the liberation of the South from slavery, the eradication of slavery, is in no way comparable to the to the Taliban instituting dictatorship in 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 Afghanistan. Were we barbaric for firebombing Tokyo? No, I mean to, honestly, though, to Steve's point, um, yes, we were. We, we obviously have a serious cultural problem in our society. We talk about it all the time. And I shared a video, too, this week of the Taliban. Somebody was asking them about whether they were going to protect free speech or something like that. And they immediately pointed to Facebook. Why don't you go talk to Mark Zuckerberg about protecting free speech? Uh, this is part, part of the problem that we have right now, too. It's like we, we've our culture. The West is in decay. It's rotting at its core, and we're we're in no position to win a battle of cultures, even with seventh-century barbarians in Afghanistan. And they know it; they're not stupid. I mean, they have access to technology today. They know everything that's going on in our society. They know everything. Yeah, we have no moral force in the world anymore, uh, and that goes back to our discussion on uh, the COVID-talitarianism. We have no moral force in the world. Who are we to say the United States government and our idiot ruling class is that's the way that's the way countries should be uh, run. I mean, we go into Afghanistan. The United States is supposed to be a federal republic. Do we make Afghanistan a federal republic? No, no, of course. We make it a central dictatorship. That's our plan. We go into Germany. Do we, you know, I mean, the same thing. We tried to make Germany after the war a socialist uh you know, kind of one party, uh, uniparty kind of state. And it, if it wasn't for people like Adenauer telling us to go score ourselves, Germany would be just as bad uh, today as um, as the Taliban is. We're, we're heading in the Taliban's direction. 
<laughs> I mean, all of this anti-white rhetoric, uh, blocking people up without trial uh, for trespassing, for God's sake, um, the United States government's completely off the rails. People are now thinking we should abolish the FBI. I saw a second article, but from a relatively mainstream source because the FBI is corrupt. It's a, it's a Stasi-like dictatorship. They invite people to, um, you know, kidnap Governor Whitmer. I mean, she doesn't deserve to be kidnapped. She just deserves to be voted out of office. Uh, but the FBI goes and tries to create a scandal where everybody uh, trying to get people to kidnap Governor Whitmer and then arrest everybody except, you know, the half the people who involved in the plot who are FBI plants. It's ridiculous. I mean, the United States has no moral authority anymore. And the United States, we should stop telling people what to do. We're telling people to put on masks. The Taliban are telling people to put on hijabs. We're telling people that uh, they should mutilate their children um, if their children said, no, then the girl. Uh, the Taliban are mutilating their girls. We, we tell people, uh, you know, you've got to teach uh, all this bullshit, uh, you know, critical race theory propaganda. They teach the Quran. You know, they insist you teach the Quran. I mean, I, we have no moral authority anymore. Our government is almost, I mean, yeah, no, it's not as bad as the Taliban, but it's almost getting that way. And in some places in the United States, I'll tell you what, in some places, the government is worse than the Taliban. In some of these inner cities where people just could shoot each other and there's no law enforcement anymore. And even when the cops do arrest someone, some liberal uh, DA lets them go. And if the liberal DA lets, doesn't let them go, some liberal judge lets them go and they're back on the street and they shoot more people and it doesn't really matter. Yes, it's just as bad as the Taliban. So, I mean, no, get out because we have no moral authority and we're, and we're soon to not have any military capability to tell other people what to do. So get out. Sorry about it. We're, we're gone. I, I, I don't know. We could have done it way better. I think if we had done it gradually, it would have been uh, better. Now, gradually doesn't mean like we gradually withdraw our troops. No, it's like we gradually withdraw control. Like give the Taliban the hellman pro province for six months. Let them run it. Let everybody see. Let the people who want freedom go to the rest of the, you know, migrate to the rest of Afghanistan. You know, then we give them another province and we give them another province and we give them another province. By, by the time we're over, the country will have, all the people who want to fight will have left and all the people who don't want to fight will have stayed. All the people who don't want uh, you know, Sharia would have left and all the people who do want a Sharia would have stayed. And then we could potentially have partitioned the country into a more free zone and a more, uh, but the, you know, the whole thing was just ridiculous. No, we have no moral authority whatsoever. Our government is corrupt. It's evil. It's, uh, in, uh, it's creating secret police who are tracking uh, everyone. It's the whole COVID totalitarian thing, making us wear masks when the masks clearly don't work. Uh, no, no, we're, we're out. We, we have to be out. We have to be out of Central Asia. Who in the right mind thought we could be in Central Asia to begin with? It's ridiculous. I mean, didn't they watch The Princess Bride? Well, I agree well, with listen, everything uh, you said, Ed, including especially that we need to be out of there. But uh, the one thing I disagree with is I don't think we, we don't have any moral authority. And I don't think that we are the moral equivalent of the Taliban. Just because we get things wrong and just because we have some people in our society, including many of our ruling class, that are as degenerate as the Taliban doesn't mean that as a culture. We no, no, no. American culture is better, but our ruling class is no better than the Taliban. They would do their equivalent of the Taliban to us, which is, you know, instead of Islam, it's woke Islam. 
They would do that in a heartbeat if they thought they could get away with it. So Right, but it's precisely because they know they can't get away with it that I don't think it's right to say we have no more moral authority than they do. Okay, when I say we, I mean the U.S. government. U.S. government has no moral authority whatsoever, zero. By the way, we're way, 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 way late, so I'm going to let everybody close, but I, I would love to continue the moral authority argument because I have a whole other angle, but it's way too late to start on it. So why don't we start to wrap up? Um, you can post your Olympic scores. <laughs> if you don't get, even know where to start. I'll be happy if I get a one. But uh, anybody want to say a few closing sentences, that would be fine. Well, I've done my rant, so I'm done. It was a good one. Very good. <laughs> anybody? Good well, discussion. That's all I want to say. It was a good discussion. Well, I, I would say offer a quote from... I believe it was Madison who said of all the of all the evils of public liberty wars, perhaps the most to be dreaded. And um, we, we need to stop getting ourselves into these morasses. We need to stop nation building. We need to start adopting a prudent foreign policy that puts our interests first. Um, you know, by the way, it was mentioned, why did we get involved in the Middle East? And I didn't mean to go off track a little bit, but obviously energy policy has a lot to do that with that. And Trump, for all his warts, he did one thing really right, and that was energy policy, and we became energy independent. And Biden, within the last couple of weeks, is begging OPEC now to increase production. And so as long as we're de dependent in any way in that region of the world, we're going to have problems. And um, it just shows you how foolhardy Biden is by what he's done with respect to energy policy here. But we, ha we have to put America's interests first. It's a crazy world. Not, a not everything's black and white. I don't, I don't know how we handle certain situations, whether it's China, Iran, a number of the, the critical hotspots in the world. But we, ha we have to restrain ourselves with respect to you know, deploying our military and our force around the globe. We have to be smarter. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's an exact answer, but we, we need to find better answers and solutions. I think that the way that America is the moral authority of the world is not by spreading the military and it's not by signing free trade agreements with everybody. It's by being a free country and offering the example of a free country here at home. And I think that we need to bring our troops home. I think we need to focus on the tyranny that's developing in this country. We've, we've mentioned COVID fascism. We had a section of today's show on it. We've been talking about it pretty much every week. Um, you know, Ed Powell, you made a good comment earlier about, you know, rule by experts is bad. We opposed it, but it's even worse that we're being ruled by buffoons. That's true. But I think that the I think that even if they were experts and even if they were they were right and smart. The, the point is we don't have we have self-government. Even if we even if we disagree with the with the experts, we still get to decide. The, the experts have to persuade us, not persuade some government bureaucrat or some government elected official who then imposes their expert beliefs on us. And that's what self-government is. And that's the thing that we need to show other people. That's what we need to export. You know, if we're going to export liberty across the globe, the globe. That's how we're going to do it, not by sending the U.S. military abroad, not by having free trade with China and allowing, 
you know, Mark Zuckerberg to figure out how to how to perfect censorship, you know, behind the, the Chinese wall of, of censorship there. We, we are going to if we want moral authority, if we want to spread liberty, if we want a better world. The way to do it is by living a better world here and by having a free society at home that doesn't have that doesn't embrace the rule of experts. The rule of experts is the left's euphemism for getting a dictatorship into, into existence. They've been trying to get scientific socialism for over a hundred years. Anyone who's read Ludwig von Mises knows that he devoted entire sections of his books to scientific socialism. And that's, they've, they've tried to cloak their theories in science for, for well over a hundred years. And we can't, that, that's the point we need to resist. We need to say, that we, our system is built on self-government. We consult experts, we listen to experts, but they don't get to rule us. And it's up to us to make decisions for ourselves, our children and our health. And that's, that's my last thought. Okay. With that, I thank everybody for being a part of this lively discussion. Oh, and I love you, Steve, even if we argue. <laughs> Are you kidding? I learn a lot on this show because I, I sometimes actually come away convinced of things I wasn't convinced of before, which is a really cool thing since until then I knew everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, wish everybody a wonderful day. We'll be back next week at four o'clock as always. We'll be up as a podcast very shortly. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bye, everybody. everybody. All right, guys.